Ensign Wesley Crusher, personal log. Worf seems out of sorts. I mean, more out of sorts than usual. He seems really grumpy. I mean, more grumpy than usual. He yelled at me. I mean, more yelling than usual. This requires my full attention. Detective Crusher Boy Wonder is on the case. Welcome to Reengage, the <laughs> weekly podcast where we watch and discuss episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Our cultural bridge officers dissect each episode as well as the pop culture and world events that took place when it first aired. We're a bunch of Gen X adults returning to series that we loved as kids to see how it holds up. So get out your pain stick and let's re-engage. Welcome to re-engage the Star Trek The Next Generation podcast uh, this is the Icarus Factor, stardate 42686.4, and I have with me my wonderful cultural bridge officers, starting with Eric Gratton. How are you? Good, sir. I am doing wonderfully, Kate. I loved your intro, <laughs> right down to the letter-perfect Wesley Crusher voice. Thank you. I was channeling Jimmy the whole time. Uh, <laughs> channeling Jimmy, channeling Wesley Crusher. Speaking of Jimmy G, how are you, Jimmy G? Well, Kate, I'm as happy as John Tesh in a Klingon outfit. Oh yeah. I can't Very wait to talk about to talk that. about this episode. <laughs> and Greg Tito, who looks surprised at the mention of John Tesh. Can't wait to tell you all about this. Uh, hello, Greg. How are you? Hi. It is entertainment tonight. Uh, I had no idea that we were going to get that reference. Uh, da, 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 da. Very excited. <laughs> My eyes are lit up with this episode. Fantastic. Well, this episode aired on April 24th, 1989. And uh, Greg, why don't you just keep talking at us and tell us what was happening in the news? Well, there was a bit of a break between the airing of Times Squared and this episode, The Icarus Factor. Uh, it was April 1989, and a whole lot of crap happened, uh, which actually has some relevance to uh, some more recent events as we've as become like the norm here. So April 10th. Uh, the Intel Corporation announced the shipment of 486 chips, uh, which is uh, important to me, maybe only because I remember that like uh, chip generation happening. My brother got a IBM with a 486, and it's uh, the precursor to the 586, otherwise known as the Pentium. Oh. Uh, so we see uh, Moore's Law happening here, where uh, you know chips are getting more and more fast every two years. I think it doubles, uh, and it started really ramping up here in the late 80s. Uh, on April 14th, in the Iran Contra trial, Oliver North, his case goes to jury on this date. We talked a little bit about the Iran Contra kind of controversy in the first season was when it kind of started to come to light. Uh, but this is when Oliver North's uh, entire uh, testimony is going to be judged by the jury at this point. Uh, eventually, he, of course, is found guilty and spends some time in jail before he becomes a uh, right-wing uh, person. I think he's now in charge of the NRA or something. I don't know. It's terrible. <laughs> also uh, terrible on April 19th is the uh, violent uh, rape and attack of Trisha Maley, otherwise known as the Central Park Five incident. Uh, where five teenagers were arrested and convicted of the supposed rape, uh, alleged rape of uh, this jogger in the north part of Central Park. It was a huge national story at the time. You may remember it being talked a bit around during the campaign of President Trump because he was a huge uh, proponent of the death penalty, took a, a, a 
Fuck that guy. Yeah, totally. Fuck that guy. Uh, Page out in the New York Daily News uh, saying that they should bring back the death penalty and uh, uh, fuck that guy. Throw it at these five young men who were wrongfully convicted, as it turns out, thousand uh, percent, and spent six to thirteen years in jail for these wrong convictions. Uh, they were eventually paid out uh, by the state. Uh, I'm sorry, the city of New York for I think $41 million total for their treatment as well as the uh, wrongful imprisonment of them for, for this crime. Do you guys remember hearing Racist about that at all? cops costing us money. Yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. Know, it was on every news source that you could possibly get a hold of. Uh, super duper racist. And um, yeah, you know. And as it turns out, uh, what's all around forced... Um, uh, confessions. Uh, so they basically mm-hmm. they did confess, but it was mostly they were because abused. they were little kids and they were abused mentally and physically uh, in order to uh, get them to say that they did this crime that they did not do. Uh, so terrible all around uh, uh, episode in American history, not even just New York City history. But I'm going to end it on a lighter note. Hopefully, uh, April 24th, the actual day that this episode was aired, Massachusetts Governor um, uh, Dukakis declared the day new kids on the block day and it's one it's one that we celebrate to this day on april 24th in this household where we listen to nkotb and uh reminisce of a simpler time where we we had the right stuff (laughs) baby baby Well, that dives us really naturally into pop culture, uh, which, as we know, is my milieu. Uh, So the number one song was the ever controversial Like a Prayer. Nice. Life is a mystery. Everyone must stand alone. I hear you call my name and it feels like home. So good. I just found that uh, LP at a garage sale oh fantastic yeah uh the number one movie uh was pet cemetery with another fantastic song by the ramones i don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery so good i don't want to live my life again uh love 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 that song uh and uh denise crosby in that movie tasha yeah i Um, non-ironically love that I think it's fantastic. I non-ironically love you for for loving that. Yeah, thank you. Um, when it, when it came to books, uh, speaking of Iran, they were protesting sales of the Satanic Verses no. by Salman Rushdie, which I misunderstand the, that book to this day because I was just young enough to like know that there was something happening about a book called the Satanic Verses, uh, and you know, I I still don't know what that book is about. I just knew it was, uh, you know, a lot of people thought it was bad. There was a fatwa <laughs> declared against him. Yes. Uh, on Broadway, uh, a, sh- a show that has my heart, I must confess, opened on Broadway for 60 performances. That show is called Star Mites. Uh, <gasps> it is very, like, not well known, but I love It's about a, a comic book loving girl who gets sucked into the world of the comics that she loves uh and has to be the one to uh to 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 defeat the evil diva yes eric grattan i see you so excited can i blow your mind please do 
Gabriel Barry, who was nominated for Best Actor Tony for that, is the director of the play I'm working on right now. What? You just blew my fucking mind. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's the little musical that could. I love it. I can't help myself. I'll tell him. Yeah. It's awesome. I thought that was Starlight Express was the little musical that could. This was a different. Oh, no. <laughs> Trade Woof. humor is the best humor. And finally, in uh, in deaths, Lucille Ball died that week uh, on April 26th. And I remember that being a wow. huge deal uh you know i grew up with uh watching i love lucy and i know for my mom it was a big blow as well just because she had uh definitely grown up with lucille ball and and everything that she brought and what an amazing comedic legend uh who just broke down barriers for a lot of people to uh to come behind her and is the reason we're having this podcast right now because it wasn't at her production company who did the original yes. star trek the original series that's right. Desilu? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. She w- she was the direct disciple of Buster Keaton and mm. was, I believe, the only person that he taught one-on-one and mentored. Wow. Uh, and it shows, like, she's so incredible in her own way. Like, the influence is clear, but her voice is so her own. Yeah. Every time I eat chocolates, I think of her. <laughs> every yep. time i stomp down grapes with my bare feet i think of her. <laughs> which is like every day for you yeah whenever <laughs> i take medicine with a spoon like a thousand percent I think. uh this story was by david assail or assail uh who also wrote the teleplay with robert mccullough uh david assail uh, wrote for The Love Boat, Miami Vice, Knott's Landing, Picket Fences, Northern Exposure. Robert McCullough was producer on the last 10 episodes of season two of Next Generation, Ooh. as well as writing for Bionic Woman, Falcon Crest, uh, the Highlander TV show, and was the creative wow. consultant on JAG. Uh, but I want to talk about the director, Robert uh, Icecove, or Iscove, uh, who before he directed this was the choreographer for Jesus Christ Superstar, <sighs> the movie, uh, as well as silent awesome. movie. And in, 19- oh, wow. in 1983, he directed Romeo and Juliet on ice, which <laughs> won him a daytime Emmy. I want um, to see that so bad. And maybe m- most all excitedly, uh, he directed the 1997 made-for-TV adaptation of Cinderella with Brandy, Whitney oh, Houston, Whoopi Goldberg, Jason Alexander. Classic. It's so good. Uh, it is one of my all-time favorites. Um, I always wonder why we keep remaking Cinderella when we have the best version out there. They just need to release it. I really love the new one. I haven't seen it yet. Love I know it. my students are really uh, enjoying that. Um, oh, good. I'm, I'm back to being able to teach students in person, um, and that they nice. were all a buzz about that the other day. Well, awesome. On the Jesus Christ Superstar tip, I think I know some of his choreography because we did that show in high school, and my friend uh, choreographed it and basically stole all the moves from the movie. So <laughs> I still have those ingrained in me uh, from from how he choreographed that whole number. Nice. Spill it. Who'd you play? I was just an apostle because uh, uh, I was the only kid who could grow a beard for real. <laughs> that was my good work. <laughs> my claim to fame. I love it. Uh, Jimmy, tell us what was happening behind the scenes on this episode. Yes, my mildew is. <laughs> 
regurgitating everything Larry Nemesic tells me is important. Uh, and he had a couple of nuggets in this one. Um, so Entertainment Weekly was filming a special, uh, behind-the-scenes special of Star Trek The Next Generation and John Tesh, who was uh, a known Star Trek fan, um, was doing uh, makeup, and he got to be a Klingon is, and is in the right of ascension scene so uh, from the viewer's point of view he's the second one in uh and on top of that as they were filming this episode they were also filming star trek 5 and so there was a dearth of klingon costumes available uh and the klingons in this episode had to wear boots from planet of the apes mm. um and in the uh, uh, Anbo Jiu-Jitsu scene, um, our friend, the art director, um, Sternbach, once again filled the stage with uh, a myriad of anime references in Japanese. So all the lettering and stuff on the walls were all references to uh, some of the anime movies that he loved. Nice. Eric, tell us about the guest stars of Note besides one Mr. John Tesh. Well, I have to start with John Tesh because I have <laughs> stories. Oh! Here are a couple things. So, my dad was an enormous movie fan. The, the biggest that I know outside the industry of all. And he sat us down every night. Like, dinner was over at 6.30 because we would hear, E.T. It's time for E.T starting in the mid 80s and the family would gather and together watch entertainment tonight nice for half an hour and then go into the news and blah 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 so john tesh was a was a factor in my childhood and when i got to cook for him about Ooh. a decade after this at uh, starlight amphitheater in kansas city missouri i was delighted to find out that on that day anyway he was absolutely delightful to everyone and brought in like a big sack of fruit to hand out to anybody in the crew that wanted it during setup. And they all knew it and expected it. And it was like, who needs it today? And they'd go over here and toss you know, whatever was in there over there. And was just delightful to, to the local crew as well. So, uh, bad Klingon, uh, seemingly <laughs> good dude. Now, the one we want to talk about is one Mitch Ryan. He yes. is a bad ass. Uh, anybody got some memories of watching this man in, in other things that you want to bring up first? I was going to say he passed out fruit uh, when I saw him last too, but... <laughs> Tesh? <laughs> no, uh, Mitch Ryan. Mitch. No, but, yeah. Oh yeah, that makes sense. He's still around. He's pushing 90. Nice. Well, I mean, what immediately comes up to me when I see his face is General McAllister and Lethal Weapon. The big yeah. Guy. Uh, that's the first thing that comes. And then I think immediately of Dharma and Greg, which I didn't watch enough of because mm. I did kind of enjoy it, but he was Greg's father in that for, I don't know, 120 episodes. But he has one of my favorite comedic lines in film history in Gross Point Blank, where he plays Minnie Driver's dad. Uh, he's finally sitting in the living room uh, talking to John Cusack and says, what did you finally end up doing? And he's, he takes a little moment and he goes, I went to the army. I left. I became a hired killer. I worked for the CIA. Now I'm in business for myself. And he, there's this little short pause. And he just goes, good. It's a growth industry. 
goes back to reading his paper. And it's just a delight for me. This guy was in everything. Mostly military, cops, doctors, that kind of stuff. Murder, she wrote, L.A. Law, Who's the Boss, Jake and the Fat Man, Heretta, Rockford Files, Streets of San Francisco, wow. like all of the gritty shows that I love. Like, I'll never get tired of saying Jake and the Fat Man. I used to watch that with my grandma. And it's the most ridiculous action show from the mid-80s. And it's just genius. That and Hard Festival for me, which he also was in. <laughs> the guy did mostly, though, after the 60s when he got big as uh, Burke Devlin, the escaped convict in Dark Shadows. Uh, he was fired from that, unfortunately. But he went right on to playing um, the lead in another TV show that was a gritty cop show called Chase. And that went on for a little while. And then he was the, the Dharma and Greg thing. But it's mostly movies that I recognize him from. Hmm. I'm just going to go off a real quick list here and then I'm done. Uh, I mean, you go right to the friends of Eddie Croyle, which for my money is one of the best heist pictures ever. And one of the funniest dark movies or one of the darkest funny movies ever made. Uh, and he's particularly wonderful in it. And then you got famous movies like High Plains Drifter and The Hunting Party. And his very first movie out of 136 credits on IMDb was a great supporting part in um, Thunder Road, which if you haven't seen that, that's Robert Mitchum as a moonshiner, a veteran from the Korean War who comes home into the mountains and has to fight the mob so he can keep his moonshining business going. And it is bonkers. So I recommend go check out Mitch Ryan, clearly a French guy. Um, in this uh, really, really terrific movie, Thunder Road. Anyway, he's great. Nice. And he is uh, the basis of our episode, so let's get into it. We uh, start out en route to Starbase Montgomery because there are readout anomalies, uh, and we can't decide if they are significant or insignificant, but Data seems very upset about the very notion that they will get these checked out by someone other than Jordy. Uh, and Jordy has to reassure him that he has no ego in this, which we later find out is not true. <laughs> Jordy is lying through his teeth when he says that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and Data is just sure that if they reprogram the computer to deal with the anomalies, everything will be fine. Eric. When he says... When Data says, you know, if I could feel this way, I believe I would be insulted or something like that. It, it just on. reminds me. I mean, it's my favorite way for Android type characters, AI type characters to deny that they have feelings while exhibiting clear feelings. Yes. It's wonderful. So good. I love that this opening starts kind of in media res a little bit like you, you get mm -hmm. it's, it's one of the first openings where it feels like it takes starts in the middle of a scene or a middle of a conversation um and i kind of like that slice of life uh, uh feeling here it feels like you're immediately trying to guess of what what's actually happening here yeah like Riker uh, does when picard says all that stuff yeah yeah uh picard is being very cagey about the stop at montgomery uh not sure you know he says that i just got some orders so we move to the conference room and Picard recollects a, a young uh, man at his, under his command who manually docked a ship and how incredible it was. And of course, we realize that is young William D. Riker. Uh, T, did I just make that up? 
No, no that I sounds right. Correct. That sounds right. All right. Tiberius. We'll just... Tiberius, yeah. Tiberius. <laughs> uh, and we find out that Riker has been given the command of the Ares. And he is needed for his skills both as an explorer and as a diplomat because they think that they have found something uh, very, very far away. Yeah, Greg. I just love that uh, he calls back that scene of, of manually docking. And I remember our conversation when we watched Encounter at Farpoint. And all he did was read off a couple of things. Oh, go forward, go backward. It was not that impressive of a uh, maneuver. In if I remember uh, us being like, quite, mm, I don't know, that could have been, it, it was dramatic. There was lots of music happening behind it they wanted it to be as cool as it was but uh poor yeah they were unwilling to have him actually sit down at a console and fly the fucking shit yeah <laughs> it's it's akin to me saying hey google play this song <laughs> <laughs> right and it's well, playing <laughs> Well, apparently that's what the Aries needs, though. Somebody <laughs> with clear uh, diction <laughs> who can get them out of tight spots. Uh, and Riker doesn't seem that stoked, necessarily. And so we're sort of left with uh, Riker being ambivalent right before we go into the opening credits. Which uh, uh, sort of takes away any of the... Um, worry in my mind that we're about to lose Riker because you can tell right from the beginning that Riker's like meh I don't know about this I'm torn I don't know if I want to leave this this cool ass post that I've got here on the Enterprise yes uh, on the bridge after after our credits Picard tells Riker that the Montgomery has sent someone to give him a briefing and again Picard is being very coy I love it when Picard is coy uh, and Riker sent to the transporter room and boom it's his dad. Referenced in the previous episode, having taught him how to cook or having delegated cooking to him. Yes. And it's been 15 years since they've seen each other. I think we figure out how old Riker 30, is right? in this He's episode. 30, he must be 30 because he, he talks about being 15 when his dad left him. Yeah. Uh, and now it's been 15 years. I did the math. So you don't have <laughs> Me to. Too. Me too. <laughs> I don't do that. Uh, and Riker is super not into the fact that it, his dad is there at all, which no. makes for an awkward transporter room. <laughs> poor O'Brien. Yeah, poor O'Brien. <laughs> O'Brien really uh, has been in the thick of things in the last two episodes and has seen things that no one should see. Bless him. That's after uh, last week's uh, time squared, where he maybe saw curious. Picard murder himself. I don't know. It was curious in that, that shot, though. They don't show you O'Brien. It was almost like there was a stand in there for him because they just show his backside. Hmm. And it, it left me wondering, I was like, was that O'Brien? Did they have somebody else in there? And then he's like in the next scene, I think, where you see him talking to somebody. He's like, well, it must have been him. But I, I was wondering why they didn't give you a profile, at least, of their actor. I should have paid more attention to his butt. <laughs> no, no, I'm always looking for that. <laughs> <laughs> this is very awkward, though, and I, and you get this. Uh, I feel for for both characters here uh, immediately because you want to have that connection to your father, but the father's not giving anything. Like he's trying to be as like jokey kind of you know bits, and you can just tell that 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 uh, Will is like, mm, no, I'm not. I don't. I'm not here for this. Yeah, I'll see you later. 
Uh, we go to the hallway, and Worf is there, and Wesley comes in at, like, Mach 10 Hurricane Crusher. Uh, <laughs> hey, did you hear? I mean, like, it is it is classic Crusher. Uh, and he's going a million miles an hour about, uh, and then it's his dad, and I didn't really know my dad died, and did your dad die? I don't know about dads and dads and dads and dads and dads, until finally uh, Worf yells at him. Enough! Yes, enough. Yeah, which is what I say to my kids basically every day. <laughs> but Worf's going to hear from human resources. It's like, <laughs> Leslie is a vulnerable subordinate to be screamed at like that young Worf. Yeah, I think somebody needed a hug. Yeah. It was guy. painfully obvious that there was something going on that you probably <laughs> yep. could take care of yourself, but we'll take care of it for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that immediately we go to engineering. We we get for a hot second that Jordy is frustrated that the Montgomery sent so many people, but that is immediately uh, bypassed to to have young Wesley once again, um, who wants to talk to Jordy about why Worf was so upset, and I think Jordy's answer is like, "Cause uh, he's Worf. Like, uh, I don't know what you want." Yeah, we leave Worf alone when he's like that. Didn't we get the memo? Did you get the memo? Just all kind of keep our heads down. This um, th- sorry, yeah. but, but this scene and it kind of follows through with Jordy and uh, his reactions don't seem very Jordy like. Uh, and I guess you can say he's it's attributed to his stress of 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 having his work being checked. Um, but it just it almost feels like Lavar Burton was like, I just want to I just want to say these lines in the way that that give them uh the weight that are needed for moving this plot forward but i don't i don't know i didn't feel grounded to me i feel like he recognized his place in this episode which is the the mover of things alonger mhm yeah <laughs> the plot mover the instigator yeah uh, but you're right he's he's very curt uh and and uh clipped in in how he talks uh and not his sort of um I thought it was funny that they uh two two of the most not the most important but two of some of the most important crew members decided to put stuff aside to get involved in a caper. Yes. <laughs> uh speaking of capers in 10 forward O'Brien is trying to figure out why Riker is upset. Is it is it women? Uh is it your career? Ah, oh, it might be the career. Oh no, it's family. Oh, family. That's the one we can't get past. There it is. They're written in the stars, he says. And then in comes Kyle Riker, who apparently knows everyone on board this ship. Like the chorus of Kyle's. It's like we're in Cheers and he's Norm. Like, it's amazing. But but it's even more because he's Norm if Norm had never been in that bar. And (laughs) yet they all still know him. Yeah, he brings it up some about what he does. Like, you've been in cargo long enough that you get to know everybody or get to know whatever everybody. it is he does. Like, yeah. Somehow he knows the universe. But immediately we see Pulaski be like, what? 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 And she straight out asks for a kiss from Kyle. And guess what? I saw Pulaski kissing Riker's dad. <laughs> Eric. Serious question. Since we met Pulaski, have we ever had a scene in 10 Forward that she's not in? 
I don't. That's no. the first thing I saw. I was like, oh. wow, the doctor is in Tim she Ford a lot. lot. All the time. And not as popular plug, 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 as Kyle. Plug, plug, plug. Yeah. People aren't saying hi to Pulaski. They're saying hi nope. to Kyle. I like, I love the little exchange immediately where uh, Riker says uh, they he, he knows her or like they know each other. And O'Brien says, I know her too. We don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Which is just a nice little line for... Uh, for O'Brien. I feel like that might be the first time I saw our O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe as a reaction to seeing Picard kill himself in the last episode. <laughs> he has disassociated and he just says whatever the fuck's <laughs> Life's too short. I'm not holding it in anymore. Yeah. Yep. This is the first scene where I felt like he was actually Irish too. I don't know why. It just yeah. felt like I was like, okay, yeah, this guy is is, is living his... It's because he was drinking. <laughs> it's he was drinking. <laughs> I didn't I'm say that. I'm sorry, listeners. Didn't... I'm Irish and an alcoholic, so I feel okay making that joke. <laughs> uh, back in engineering, now Wesley is talking to Data about Worf. Again, you're right, Jimmy. There's like this huge... Uh, uh, system-wide uh, anomaly happening that all hands in engineering are are focused on. But why not take two of the most important people for that <laughs> endeavor and talk to them about how Worf is feeling salty? <laughs> uh, it's not as if they have somebody dedicated to helping people with emotional problems <laughs> on board. Perhaps a future love interest of Worf. And why didn't she feel that? Right, right. Well, her her beta zoidian instincts are off in this episode. A flutter. Uh, and Jordy and Data basically tell Wesley, you know what, you're probably right, but since you figured out there's a problem, you're the one that gets to solve it. Which you would think would be the end of their involvement <laughs> in this escapade. But we're we're not. They gotta go to a party. Yes. Uh, back in 10 forward, Pulaski and Kyle are catching up. Uh, Riker's all pissy. Uh, <laughs> and we find out that Pulaski has been married three times. I believe but that, it. I but, believe that she's, yeah. but, but that she has remained close friends with each of them. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> they all hate her. <laughs> oh, but she doesn't hate her them she she dropped them and has no hard feelings she went on <laughs> she cheated didn't she she cheated on each one consecutively like with that's the, with, the others. with kyle Canada. Riker each time yeah <laughs> with kyle Riker. <laughs> but she never brought up by the way your dad is just as good as you are <laughs> i mean they've been together a while now and it just never comes up it's like oh yeah kyle yeah. i know him i really know him yeah, at some point it's too late to bring up. Right? No, no, it's not. It has to come up at some point. It's like, yeah, I know you did. Yeah, I right. And been... yep. well, Go no, ahead. just the fact that she's like, well, it's, it wasn't a secret. It just didn't yeah. come up. Yeah, it was a secret. It, it was literally a secret. <laughs> you don't tell anybody, right? That's a secret. Data and Jordy are absorbing observing Worf. Uh, Data thinks that perhaps he's just lonely. Um, they're wondering why they weren't able, you know, to get Wesley in to do what he's supposed to do. But apparently he had to study, to which Jordy says, I can't believe you fell for that <laughs> to Data. That's, that's one of the most true lines of this entire episode, I think. Just totally. <laughs> oh, I got to study, guys. Yeah, like you need to study, Wesley Crusher. Okay, you yeah. know it all. <laughs> You're a wonder kid. Data has the 
best <laughs> hey buddy conversation <laughs> with Worf. Hey big guy. How you doing? How you feeling? We care about you. Uh and Worf just yells, Be gone! Sir. So all due respect. <laughs> oh, I love that. The sir at the end made it be like, all right, yep, the there, yes. there is a rank here. Be gone, sir. Uh, so we know that definitely something is uh, afoot with Worf, as it were. Uh, back in his room, Riker is looking at old pictures of him and his dad and of uh, Denver. Is that right? Is that where Riker is? Colorado. Says, right? Yeah. Uh, and Worf comes into his room. And we find out that, uh, and he's like, that's a nice fish. And Riker's like, yeah, I didn't catch it. Right. My, my dad took the pole away from me, which sort of sets up this uh, this relationship, I think, very nicely. Like, it's a nice way of uh, storytelling-wise to let us know about this previous um, relationship between the two of them with this, you know, one little anecdote. Yes. I, I also love that he's basically looking at like a Google Photos slideshow before there were Google <laughs> Photos slideshows. He's like, you know, thumbing through them uh, and seeing all that happen. The wonderful Photoshop of those uh, are, well, I guess this is pre-Photoshop, but uh, the wonderful way that those are, are, are composite photos uh, there put with young Riker holding that fish and, and all the other stuff is is, is wonderful. Uh, and uh, it, it's, as a screenwriter, you're like, well, how do you, there's no pictures. There's no uh you know, portraits on the wall that a character can look at wistfully to give information uh, uh, without it being a part of the dialogue. And so you can see that they kind of shoehorn that into a, a, a Star Trek way of, of getting that across here. But I do think it is effective. You're right. We find out that Worf wants to join Riker on his new command because it might be dangerous and he wants to uh, die a true hero. Yeah, and where did it come from? I, I was totally lost by that whole thing. Like, where did you hear it's gonna you're gonna die honorably on the Aries? Like, why is this suddenly a a, a do or die mission? I mean, I think any time you're exploring a completely unexplored sector of the galaxy, you've got to think it's dangerous. Well, it can't be that and, unexplored. They know there's, that there's new people out there. No, they they think they know there might be a new life form. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. To me, to me, it's like they're sending Riker out to the Wild West. Yeah. It's the idea of like you're going off to the frontier. Yeah. Where you we got to keep that colonizing going. Let's make it happen. <laughs> but not the neutral zone. It's a different part. Unexplored. Right. Other direction. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it was really, I'm I'm gonna miss my friend. My friend is leaving, and I don't know how to deal with that. And I don't know how to process my emotions. So I'm gonna say, yeah. I'm gonna say what, I'm yeah. a warrior. Was that it? It was all about him. It had nothing to do with Riker. I, from my perspective, it had nothing to do with Riker. It was all about what Worf was going through by himself. Right. Well, that, that, that's I why, read that too, Jimmy. That's why I think the, this this episode's writing is kind of all over the place, and I don't really because it you it almost feels like a misdirect. Or like, oh, this is this is why yeah. Worf is feeling this way because he's going to miss his friend. I mean, every previous episode, not every, but many, you know, you get this bond that Riker and 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 Worf have. And I wish they yeah, explored yeah. that more than just this one scene, honestly. I agree. And it was it made it a discord because his storyline wasn't a B plot. The warps. It was equal to Riker's plot, which does the whole plot, the whole story a disservice. Mm. It was an ABBA plot. <laughs> and, th yes. and it's coming back. 
Yeah. yeah. My notes. <laughs> They're all dancing queens now. Uh, we go to the conference room where Will meets with Kyle, who gives him a disc full of info, and we have uh, one of the very first sort of, this couldn't have been an email. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I thought that same thing. <laughs> so many firsts happening in these episodes in the, yeah. in the digital age. And Will wants to know why he hasn't heard from his father, and, and, and Kyle starts to talk about Will's mother and... Uh, Riker just just walks away. He won't have it. Yeah, I'm on Riker's side on this. Like, did what what Kyle is saying here? I love that we all refer to him as Kyle. By the way, uh, it just doesn't hold any water. It's like, what are you trying to, you know, be sorry once, and maybe this all would have gone away. Yeah, I don't like this guy. <laughs> he sure does look good though in that jumpsuit. His butt looked really his good. His, like, butt his butt looks really great. Pulls it off. <laughs> yeah, Mitch rocks. <laughs> uh back in, back in uh i don't know what do we call it the infirmary uh pulaski land yeah uh, sick bay Med, sick bay, sick bay. Pulaski there we go sick, sick bay, bay. There. <laughs> pulaski land. Sick bay. well we we get a net we get an acronym uh pulaski says she's taking care of one of her uh patients oh. with a little pcs Pulaski chicken soup. I have never been more sure in my life that a soup is crap <laughs> than being made by Pulaski. Well, and and probably not made by Pulaski, made by a computer. Right. Yeah. She didn't like any of the Klingon food. She was disgusted by that, like which clearly means that this chicken soup is not spiced. It's very right. bland. Oh, never. But Pulaski has something up her sleeve. She's not invited Kyle there for for Nookie. Uh, <laughs> she has invited him to to meet with Troy, uh, who just reads him for filth. I mean, she uh. is, does not hold back. He what do we think of this encounter with her between too. the like, oh, he tries I to know. do like the whole, oh, we have a good taste in women too, and she's like. I'm going to let that pass, but fuck you for saying that. Yeah. I, I cannot allow us to skip past without conversation. The Troy line, Pulaski's greatest strength is her empathy. Oh! <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that is a laugh line that you dream of getting. Oh, it almost as if it was in response to like any criticism that Pulaski was getting uh, in the in the fandom or something like that. Because yeah. it was like, are you watching the same show? Are, does yeah. she have empathy when she's not on screen? You know what? Uh, uh, when she's a couple deep in at ten forward, the empathy <laughs> just starts pouring out of her. The karaoke really wins everybody over. <laughs> Where she's always looking for the next X. Mr. Pulaski. There it is. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm in. And the last time we saw Pulaski and Deanna Troy, she was like, fuck you, Pulaski, for trying to take out the captain. Like, what? Right? Like, she does not think that, you know, Kate Pulaski is all awesome in this at this moment, right? Right. If we're looking at the, the timeline of, of the previous episode. But Troy uh, senses that, that Kyle covets Will's success. And and reads him, uh, you know, for for being competitive with Will. Yeah. Which is sort of, uh, you know, 
that toxic masculinity that uh that resides within within uh Kyle Riker. Uh we get to hear a little bit about that. Uh and he is sure that Will will take the job because he would. Therefore Will will. Will will? Will will? Will will. Will will. Will will. Will will. Really? Uh, in Will's room, uh, <laughs> Picard stops by, and we get this like intriguing uh, little nugget of wisdom about the Ares that the uh, first commander speaks forty languages, and that will come in handy for us. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was yeah. almost wondering if they were like trying to set up a, a, a spin-off show that never happened or something. I was like, why do we need that information here? Does it help? Does it move along anything? Well, yeah, I was wondering if they were trying to get us to believe, like, oh, he's he's really going to take this job because he's looking at who he'll work with. But uh, it just seemed like filler to me. Yeah, or almost like the idea that there's there's a lot of special people on bridge crews, uh, which we'll see on Voyager and Enterprise and all the Star Trek shows to come, right? That there's That's part of the shtick is that there's these crews of mismatched, you know, mis, uh, uh, mismatched people who all their skills come together and they make crazy drama. Maybe they were trying to get that idea out there. I just don't even know. I'm, I'm grasping at straws here. <laughs> so were the writers. It's yeah, fine. they were. They really were. Uh, and here comes Kyle uh, to, to talk to, to Will a little bit more. And, and yet again, it's just not, they're not clicking. Uh, Will lets us know he's been on his own since he was 15. Which I think Kyle is like, well, yeah, that's the age, right? Right. Is this is this the scene where he says, "Hey, you got fifteen years. That's all you needed." Like, at least I st- at least I stuck in that long. And you're yeah, like, and I think he what? says, "Like, yeah, I stuck in. I stuck in there for." Yeah, you're right. Like, what the fuck are you? Tra- what does that even dad. mean? It's a bad person. Yeah. Okay. Greg and Jimmy, are you honestly telling me you're sticking around for longer than 15 years no. and not booting those kids right out the door? <laughs> no, that's why they're over understand. at uh, Greg's house right now. <laughs> yeah, they're not coming back. Sending them off to military school. I've already changed the locks. <laughs> uh, we go back to engineering because Wesley thinks he knows the problem. He has read some sort of compendium of Klingon, you know, uh, I, I feel like he's read whatever right. the Dungeons the and Dragons equivalent is. super secret. <laughs> Nobody knows this information about the Klingons book. He read the monster manual. And somehow through that book, I don't know how he knows it's the 10th anniversary of his age of ascension. Um, he must have been in the in the index there, looking up each Klingon for their age of ascension. But uh, it's a day of celebration and ritual, and Worf knows no other Klingons. But you know where they can replicate Klingons uh-huh. <laughs> on the always functioning holiday. Entertainment uh, we go back to the infirmary, or sorry, sick bay, and uh, Will apologizes to Pulaski. Uh, and Pulaski wants to know if uh, if Kyle uh, told him why he never got remarried. And he says, who would who would have married him? And she says, I would have. In a hot minute. In a hot minute, yeah. But I'd marry anybody. <laughs> <laughs> 
But we do find out that 12 years ago, uh, everyone on Kyle's team got killed, and he alone survived. Uh, That's pretty fishy, isn't it, though? Well, the only survivor, quote-unquote. But but Worf, too, so I guess we'll take him at his word. (laughs) And Pulaski took care of him, and through taking care of him, they fell in love, which I think is against the rules of (laughs) doctor-patient relationships, but... Maybe we've moved past that in the 24th century. It's the Florence Nightingale effect from Back to the Future. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it happened. Uh, but I, what I like about this scene, though, is that Riker is clearly fishing for information, but doesn't want to say it. Like, he goes there to apologize, but that's not really what he's there for. He wants to get someone else's opinion on uh, his father and what he should do. But he doesn't. he doesn't ever ask for that. He just is like you know, there to absorb what Pulaski has to say about it. And this, this I at least thought was a, was a clever bit of writing. Mm. And at least it didn't start with him saying, is my dad a good kisser? (laughs) (laughs) Does he have any techniques that I could use? (laughs) But she tells Will on his way out that he needs to jettison the emotional baggage he's carrying, which is actually a pretty great line. Mm. Uh, and might be one of the first usages of emotional baggage that I was aware of as a child. Oh, as a phrase? As a phrase, yes. That's neat. I feel like that was, now that you're saying that, like that was a thing that was, a phrase that was repeated a lot in the late 80s and movies and things like that. Like, I do remember hearing about that. Like, I've got baggage too. You know, that whole idea. Maybe maybe it started here. Maybe it started with Pulaski's line. We go to engineering for a hot second where the boys talk about the test that Worf will face and they are going to be there because they are his family plus O'Brien and Pulaski. Uh, the found family. <laughs> right. Of special guest stars and yes. ensemble players. <laughs> Uh, In the ready room, Will talks to Picard about whether or not he'd be a fool to give up this job. And Picard talks about the pros and cons of staying and going, which I think is an interesting conversation between the two of them because he doesn't give him an answer. This scene is weird. This feels not Picard-like, too. Like, this one feels like lines that were written that don't... Like, they didn't know how how Picard acted because Mm. he... He does that pros and cons thing, which I guess that does make sense as far as his analytical mind. But then he's like a little bit like, it's good to be the king. Uh, right. You know, it's it's one of the best things out there is to be the in command. And I'm like, that's that's not the character that I've gotten over the season and a half here that we've been watching Picard. Right. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't hit me that way at all. Like I thought he was just having fun. And and I don't think there's anybody who gets to that position who doesn't want power. Like it, it just, I never thought about it because I just assumed it. Like you don't become a captain of anything unless you want to boss people around and feel like you're, you're comfortable with that. But he's not right? a cop. And we all take it as a sign of faith or as a uh, act of faith or whatever you want to say. But I prefer disagreeing with Jimmy, but I'm on his side. Of it. <laughs> oh. It's happening enough that maybe you can't say that anymore. <laughs> But it's one of my favorite jokes, and I changed the phrasing a little bit. <laughs> that counts. That counts. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I, I still Weird. don't buy it. I don't. I don't. Picard is maybe just. You could argue he's just uncomfortable with how to give advice in this situation um, because he doesn't want to lose Riker. He doesn't say that, but like I feel like there's 
you know, he's recognizing that maybe he's a surrogate father figure in this situation, but the actual father is here. And how do you deal with that? And maybe he's just uncomfortable, but like, it does feel out of character to me. I mean, I, I feel like maybe the answer can be as simple as it's the ethical way to approach it. Mm. Do you know that, that maybe beyond what we expect, somebody's actually expressing the, the ethical thing to do. Like, you know, agents, if you get two offers, aren't supposed to tell you which one to take. Managers can do that, but agents can like advise a little bit, that kind of thing. It's neat a little bit, if you want to look at it that way, that, that Picard genuinely wants him to make the most informed decision he can. So he tells him genuinely, these are the positives of it. and These are the positives of staying. I'm not going to tell you which one to do. Yeah, it, and it's hard to do that, but maybe that's what he's doing. And a little bit of there's fun reminiscence of his own life. He's like, I remember when I had to decide, am I going to leave being number one to go be my, to be the captain? And it was exciting and scary. Uh, and then I did it and it was the best thing is like, you know, a little bit of, I'll, mm. I'll hate to see you go, but you have to go at some point. You, yeah, you wouldn't be as good as you are if you always are going to be a number, you know, a second in command. It's like, you got to leave someday. And, this is an opportunity. So it didn't, uh, yeah, it, 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 that's, it washed totally over me. They cut the part, uh, in that scene, actually, that, that, that scene went on and Picard sang sunrise, sunset to Riker. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they were, and Riker just walks out, right? In yeah. song. Just, like, just leaves and it turns out, I need more time. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we go back to engineering. This episode, by the way, is a bouncy episode. It bounces back and forth between locations a whole hell of a lot uh, for very short scenes. Um, Data is still convinced there is nothing to find uh, wrong with the computer. And Jordy finally admits that, yeah, he's kind of bummed that they're looking over his work. And yeah. O'Brien says, well, I wouldn't mind if they came to look at transfer because bring it on. Right, liar. still drunk. <laughs> Isn't the transporter system part of engineering? I guess not. No, but it feels like I was like, are, are wouldn't they be in the same? They're all wearing the same color uniforms. Like, aren't they in the same command structure? Is <laughs> O'Brien on his the own? Same. <laughs> O'Brien just wants to fight somebody. <laughs> he's he's still drunk from the synth hall. Yeah, he drank I'm just happy they gave me more lines. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, Will goes to see uh, Troy, to see Deanna, and to say goodbye. And But she doesn't want to say goodbye. I hate goodbyes. It's, it's till next time. Uh, and she can't read him. Maybe because of her own feelings. That's what he says. And that, this is like shades of the conversation with Guinan. I don't know yeah. why, but I liked the repartee of of uh their back and forth. But it was so much more meaningful because you were like, all right, no, they're, they're, they're playing these emotions for real and yeah she's usually the one who's on top of it but she's like i don't i don't got this yeah yeah i like that she says are you feeling sad and and they both are and they hug and it's beautiful and this is probably one of those scenes that that put me firmly uh in shipping those two uh for eternity mm. uh i agree card for making that uh that a reality in these all these years later Making pizza. Uh, yes, yes. Um, Kyle is waiting for Will in the hallway, like you do. One little question. Yeah. 
how long do you think there was between the hug and walking into the gym to meet with old Kyle? Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious about the logistics. It's an an ellipse long. Yes, sounds good. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Dot, dot. They did pan uh-huh. away from them, so you know we all know what the pa- the camera pan away means. And then there was the guy yep. in the corner with the sexy saxophone. He was like, nah, 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 nah. and they had some harp porn going on in the corner. Yep. He's like, I can't get it up. She laughed like, I can't believe you're into harp porn. <laughs> this is the good shit, everybody. This is why I come here. Uh, Kyle's like, I'm I'm leaving. Will's like, you gotta go. And then very quickly, if only we had this one way of solving this problem. Well, it's good for you because we do have this one way to solve this problem. Well, all right, then let's solve this problem that way. Like, it's... You're on. Inorganic. We've seen Karate Kid too many times. Immediately when they talk about having the gym... I'm like, well, why don't you just use the holodeck? Right. Like, well, it would be kind of interesting to have a gym too that is, you know, it's not using any of the resources. I'm like, well, belly themed crystals are not going to get run down from this. Right. But they only did it because they didn't want to establish that there were two holodecks on the thing. So they needed them both at the same time. Yep. <laughs> right. Canon. So far, just, just to recount the amount of uh, uh, recreational spaces we have on this ship. There's the fencing arena that is right. up, up, up only made for fencing. There's this Ambu Jitsu uh, uh, arena, and then there's also the laser fight yeah, the uh, laser. Oh, training yeah. thing. Rains. All of which could Blaster be done rain. in the holodeck. Yeah, who designed this ship? <laughs> <laughs> I think his uh. name is Sternbach. Well, it's a very big ship, and only like twelve people live there. <laughs> So, but they are I, in the best shape of their fucking lives. They got yes. pelotons everywhere. <laughs> uh, back in sick pay, sick bay, Pulaski wants to know what's going on with this Ambu Jitsu contest. She is pissed, and mostly, like you think that she's pissed because they're having a pissing contest. Uh, but yeah. she's more worried that he's an old man and he's going to get hurt. And he says he has never been able to beat me, and they've been playing since Will was eight. To which I wrote, "That's fucked up." Uh, you know, start beat. You know, there, there's, there's that that goes back to some problems. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All the all of this setup seems like uh, a microcosm of their uh, uh, abusive relationship, right? Uh, speaking of the holodeck, which is in use, thank you very much. So they they need that gym. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Aren't there like we, three holodecks? We find the Klingons and their pain sticks, and O'Brien tells a delightful story of the large animals whose head exploded when he saw that in use. Right, and that was the like one. We have another instance where the holodeck is hurting people. Red alert, uh, <laughs> and. <laughs> Two, if these things can make a two-ton animal's head explode, I don't care how tough you are as a Klingon, you're not taking that. It it was a, a silly line. 
Right. And then it's the doctor, Pulaski, is like, oh, don't talk about that. I'm like, are you seen some shit, Pulaski? Come on. <laughs> Haven't you? Uh, the other thing, though, these pain sticks uh, are a big part of uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 1. They talk about pain sticks a lot and are used a lot. And I, I'm like, oh, this is the first time that they're actually mentioned uh, in, in, I guess, Star Trek canon. I don't, are, there, are they in the original series, the pain sticks? With a K? I don't know. Maybe I, you're as deaf as me and you watch with subtitles and they are P-A-I-N-S-T-I-K-S. Yeah. Yes, they are. They are. That is canon. They are S-T-I-Ks. Yes. yes. They're German. Uh, do you feel like Painstick was a placeholder name that they just never quite got around <laughs> to fixing? You know, they're know. sticks I that cause like, pain. Uh. I feel like a few years later, it's an inspiration for Boomstick because you fucking know that uh, <laughs> fucking Sam Raimi watched Next Generation religiously. Yeah, it's like that Mitch Hedberg joker is like, I want to be at the person who names uh, kitchen appliances. Like, <laughs> what does this do? Oh, it keeps uh, your, your vegetables fresh. Well, that's a fresher. <laughs> Here's the pain sticks. Uh, back uh, in the hallway, Deanna is taking Worf uh, to the, uh, the holodeck and he's super pissy. And she kind of says, well, someone figured out what's wrong with you and the way he says Wesley Crusher <laughs> is everything <laughs> I told him enough at the beginning of this episode uh, but he goes inside and he is immediately excited uh, like maybe even sexually so he is, he is very <laughs> very all about what is about to happen to him but why doesn't Troy like Troy's like no I don't do this stuff because she would feel that pain too immensely. That's That was what I took. Oh, see, I thought it was like, uh, uh, you know, reneging on her duties as counselor. Like, she's she's the one who's supposed to be helping out the mental health of, of uh, her crewmates. Like, she was so jovial about it. I thought she was more like, oh, I'll let the boys do their boys thing. Not going to be Because she's just like, no, I'll skip this one. Like. There's only room for five people. Yeah, she's like, whatever. Bachelor party. Uh, Worf Worf has the great line, I travel the river of blood. (laughs) Which I thought was fantastic. He's translating for his friends. I mean, sorry, his family. His family. But did he, wasn't there a line about when you go through it, you're supposed to reveal something about you yourself admit, you must admit profound yeah. feelings while under duress is what and what say. did he admit was it the river of blood thing what i didn't get a big confession it hurts is what he is <laughs> i thought he was gonna say i i love william t Riker. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and i don't care who knows that <laughs> I think your best friends are the ones that help recreate your favorite societal traumas in the, just the best and most uh, photorealistic ways. Well, he collapses there at the end of that runway and immediately thanks them. You're, I mean, I mean, they're the best friends, right? None of you have ever made sure eight people hit me with a pain stick. <laughs> Come on, wait to your wedding. Oh, that's exciting. We're not bringing any rice. 
Just, just hates it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we go to the conference room and we have what feels to me a very forced girlfriends moment where they're like, Troy likes Riker and Pulaski likes the other Riker. So let's get the girls in for a gab fest, which is basically yeah. like them being like, oh, I'm pretty unhappy about them being so brutal, which fair enough. Right. Those boys, they were going to be at it all day. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it. And and then Deanna has the cringy line. Perhaps that's why we find them so attractive. Because they Blah. never grew up. They never grew up. I'm like, that's not what's happening here. Boo. Yeah. Boo earns. Uh, Boo. Then we go to the gymnasium, and uh, they're dressed kind of like Tron. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the Tron. Such, I wrote that down. It is such a clear Tron homage, and so is the music. Once they start fighting. I have to say that those sticks, which are not pain sticks, I don't know what they are, uh, are pretty rad. Because I mean, they I have... assume they're they're a version of bow staffs, and that's why yeah. bow is in the, the, the title of the martial But they've got they've got radar on them essentially, or like or like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like they're they're uh echolocation. Echolocation maybe. sort yeah. of like that that's like beep, 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 uh when they when they are near each other. And a big pillow on the other end. Right. Yes, it was a little uh, reminded me. A weighted me... one. Yes, weighted. <laughs> it, it reminded me a little bit of American Gladiators. That, yes, oh. absolutely. American Gladiators. Yes. Very true. Mixed yeah. with like Zatoichi. I like the fact that they are sightless during that too, just to add mm -hmm. to the like pissing match of the whole thing. Um, and then Riker, well, Will, uh, full on says, you should have been the one to die, not her, which that wow. elevated quickly. I don't, I mean, we don't even know the circumstances of her death, really, right? Like, was it tragic? Was it disease? Like, we don't know. I thought Was he the only survivor of another accident, quote unquote? <laughs> <laughs> was she found at the bottom of a long, long stairwell? Well, you I know what I'm going to say now, Eric. He absolutely huh. was the only survivor of another accident. Can it? Gotta be. Can it? <laughs> He's a trail of bodies, this guy. It felt pretty appropriationally cultural-wise here, too, that that this was there was a lot of Japanese symbols and the name of the thing. It was trying to name-check karate. And I think the, the writer actually says, it's like, well, I was studying karate, so I just used all that junk and threw it in here. Oh, lovely. Yeah. I will say, I mean, there's not a lot of like impressive martial art aspect to the fight, but I do love the choreography. I, I'm yes, very excited to, to once more be a, a professional fight choreographer. I have been hired again. I'm very happy watching this fight because this only happened this morning. This is my first thing that I've that I've watched <laughs> since I'm back in the fucking swing of it. I thought the first time through it that it was interesting moves, but just a boring ass fight, except for the fact that they're quote unquote blind. But then I watched it again and I sped it up to 1.5 speed. And it's now my favorite fight in Star Trek history. I think the choreography is terrific. It's just for my aesthetics. I would have wanted another couple of days of rehearsal so that I could speed the guys up a little bit more. 
Mm. I don't think it looked dangerous faster, but I, I assume it was done for safety reasons that they just either didn't have enough time to rehearse or they one or the other actors was not comfortable. But uh, which I thought the whole the whole thing the reason why they covered their faces was that so that they could just use stunt people and they wouldn't have to worry about right? training the actors. That'd be great. I kind of like I'm sure they did how could you not I love the storytelling of the fight I love the style of the fight I just wished especially once I saw it faster that it had been faster it does feel awkward with the swinging of the bow staff like blindly yeah. it, it always felt like uh, and maybe it's just because we're watching it and we oh, he's right there but it, it, it well then that's part of it when it when it's faster it looks like you do have an idea where they are oh really like it 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 looks much more like they know what they're doing mm. you know and it was just that easy a adjustment it actually even looks pretty smooth so the their form's pretty good well we find out when in the, at the end of this fight that uh that Kyle Riker has been cheating since Will was 12 years old that he has been doing an illegal move and that is the only reason that he has been able to to best his son and Riker doesn't realize it until that moment wait a minute that that move that you always did that's an illegal move and i like the very poor defense of i knew by the time you were 12 you could beat me so i had to keep you interested somehow which doesn't make any sense like Someone who is is a, a in a competition with their father or otherwise, like the whole point is that you're there's rules of engagement and then you have to do it. Like it doesn't matter if one person wins or loses, especially if you're trying to teach your sons. I don't know. This guy's a dick. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> but yet somehow, somehow at the end of it, they are actually talking and listening. So this this whole toxic display of masculinity uh, wins the day uh, because by the end, uh, he says, "I love you." Which felt like they ran out of time and they just had to wrap it up. Because yes. it yeah. really, there was nothing that suggested resolution was around the corner. And then they just hug and say, I'm glad, I'm glad we talked. Like, yeah. Good talk. It was nothing. Is it because there's only two minutes left in the episode? Like, <laughs> what happened here? What is the, even the resolution that he says? It's something like really simple being like, oh, I was mad. Oh, okay. Cool. I get it yeah. now. And you're like, what? why did you act so messed up towards me? Why yeah. <laughs> 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 the, the resolution between Zoolander and uh, yeah. uh, Hansel is better done than this is. <laughs> uh, back on the bridge, it turns out Data was right. They just have to reprogram the computers. Who would have thought that the android who knows everything would be right? He's got that nice uh, shrugging. Eh? Yeah, the yeah. shrug is great. And the second time in as many weeks where they just have to reprogram, like start over to fix and, the problem. And for some Gremlins. reason, yeah, yeah. And uh, Picard says, well, Riker's taken that job, so he's now going to leave the ship. And then what happens? He enters from the turbo lift. He decided, that, who could have guessed that he wouldn't go? Who could have guessed that he wouldn't go. Not his first time of walking away from a promotion either, but his second time since I we like, saw him, he's like, nah, I don't want to be a captain. He <laughs> says, he said it's motivated self-interest. Right now, the best place for me is to be here. Yeah, that's no answer. That's no answer. Which is also not like a good 
believable motivation here. Like, is he saying for his career going forward, it's better for him to stay a second in command? I guess we know from his his future career that maybe it was the right move and he would have just been in the beta quadrant zone or whatever. But like, it just, it just, it doesn't, it isn't uh, explained or, or we as the audience don't really understand why he's making this decision at this point. And I, it I, feels like he chooses to be a, a big dog in a big ship rather than going to be, or, you know, like a slightly smaller dog in a big ship than going to be the big dog in a, in a, you know, out on the edge of the world. But a better written episode would have shown all this conflict with his father taught him that. Or, right. or, you know, that, that, that all, every, all the things that we saw, but they're unrelated at this point. And it's just like, I just made this decision. I'm like, well, why would we even do this? Why wouldn't we just focus on Worf and his pain sticks? <laughs> That's a good <laughs> question. Uh, well, this episode actually had a little bit of uh, tension off the set. <laughs> Uh, because the director kept trying to make things more emotional between Riker and his father and, and wanted the anger to be there. And, and Roddenberry kiboshed any excessive emotion because, again, he believed that in the 24th century we would have relegated ourselves above and beyond that. Uh, and the director actually uh, refused f- future directing jobs with Next Generation because he said, if you're not going to deal with feelings, then then what's the point of telling these stories? Mm. What are we supposed to teach people about how to be better now if we're only talking about the utopia of the future? Right. So uh so that's the episode. What what do we think? What's our what's our takeaway? What 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 do we give this episode, Greg? I am gonna give this uh three and a half uh, uh, what is this called? Ambo, Ambo jujitsu courts on the enterprise. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't like it. I, I think it fails on a bunch of levels. Uh, I've been saying all throughout that the writing feels that it was not written by someone who understood these characters and, uh, was not really investigating their feelings. It feels very plot just seems to happen for no reason. I liked the setup of meeting Riker's father, um, but I don't feel like any real resolution was uh, delivered to the audience uh, through it. I don't know Riker more after watching this. I don't really even know Worf more after watching this uh, from the B plot. Uh, I get. I guess I like that that Wesley steps up and starts realizing that he's a a, a big part of the crew and and takes on some of Deanna Troy's uh, role of of trying to make sure everybody feels like they're expressing themselves in the right way or 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 you know, being healthy in that way. Yeah, I I just think it's not really a solid episode, uh, despite the fact that there's you know some 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 good moments uh, throughout it. Eric, I give it, I think seven oh. uh, deliveries of uh, my favorite joke that Kyle had, which is when he's told the move is illegal, he completely deadpans. You're kidding. <laughs> and it is I laughed my ass off I think it's a brilliant delivery and I want to watch it seven times so seven you're kidding I quite enjoyed the episode some of it is you know remembering that stupid shit with Entertainment Tonight when I was a kid <laughs> some of it is uh, like Greg said Data's little shrug at the end like just great moments all the way through it made me really happy watching it again so seven it is Jimmy 
Uh, I'm going to give it five Pulaski divorces, which I realize is two more than she brought up. But uh, Pulaski's life continued after she leaves at the end of this episode. Uh, And there are two more victims after that. Um, I give it right there in the middle because uh, Code of Honor is in this canon. And I can't put it that close to Code of Honor. So I have to back it up from that terrible schlock. Uh, a little bit, uh, but it is a solid disappointment uh, for all the reasons that Greg brought up. Uh, two storylines that battle with each other. Um, you know, the reason why you have A and B is because B is supposed to come after and be a little less important. This was took away from the whole Riker dad thing, so it, it sort of blew that up. However, it is fun that. Um, the ship wasn't in danger and lives weren't in danger. And every once in a while you can have and you need an episode like that in this type of world where you're just going to learn a little bit about the people you're caring about. And the stakes aren't terribly high. There's just some personal stuff. So I give it right there in the middle. Five, five divorces. (laughs) Uh, And I will give it uh, five pain sticks. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, Jimmy. It's not, it's not the worst, uh, episode that we have thus far seen. Uh, it certainly is not the best episode that we have thus far seen. Uh, and there are things, uh, that I very much like about it. I think the performances are actually, you know, although they may be saying things that don't feel quite true to character, the way they are said, uh, it's a great guest star. Um, you know, we hate him to this day, which means he was doing his job right. Uh, and of course, my my little heart has to love that little moment between Troy and Will. Uh, mm. So this episode gave us that. Um, and of course, it gave us a lot of Wesley. So I got to love it for that. So, yeah, I'm right in the middle on this one. I'm flippy floppy on it. Uh, but that's the way it goes sometimes <laughs> when your pants are wet. Oh, they're so wet right now. <laughs> oh, we'll see you next week for Pen Pals. Pen pals. That's fun. Apparently they don't they don't have emotions in the future, but they do have pens. <laughs> Thanks for joining our cultural bridge officers for this episode of Re-Engage. Next week we are continuing the mission with another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. We want to hear from you, our listeners. If you've got questions or observations, Halen frequencies are open. Email letsreengage at gmail.com or you can follow reengage on Instagram and Twitter at reengagetng to get updates on episode drops and all kinds of fun Star Trek things. But you can follow Kate Yeager at Yeagerlicious on Twitter and Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on the gram. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Reengage is edited and mixed by Krista Curry at Krista from Glee on Twitter and Krista.Curry on Instagram. Logo artwork by MojoJojo97 on Twitter or Mojo97.com. The music is by the incomparable Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Stand by for Riker's Beard to re-engage.